how I found out that my doctor was sabotaging my A1C results alongside my blood sugars, my time and range, and overall health. The answer will shock you, but understand that's actually a pretty common thing to happen. On these consultations that I do, I come across a lot of people who are being lied to and misled to by their medical teams. In fact, I've got a quote here that uh, somebody commented on one of my posts last week. I'm going to read it out to you just in case you're listening on the podcast. They asked, how can we filter through if we don't know and our medical teams are even feeding us lies? Are most of us doomed? Because if we are being told something from a doctor that we are supposed to trust, at what point do we find out what's true? In today's episode, I'm going to break down how you can know if you can trust your doctor, where they may or may not be misleading or lying to you, and what you can do about it with your own blood sugars. Before we get into that, though, we'll start with our theme song and then break down today's lesson. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. All right, so the big question is, how do you know if you can trust your doctor or your endo or your dietitian or anybody you're going to for medical advice if they're the ones that you're supposed to trust, right? So uh, I've answered this separately, but I want to share with you the, the way that I answer it in my own life is ultimately you don't know who you can trust if they're the source of the information. If you are the one learning, you don't know if what you are learning is false, Right? And you won't know until you do your own research or do what I like to do, which is look at the outcomes that they've been able to produce. Right, So uh, there's two sides to this. One is your medical team that does not live with type 1 diabetes or whatever condition it is you're living with. If they have not consistently produced stellar results, then they might not be the best fit for you. Right. An example of this is something that I come across in constantly when chatting with people just like you on the phone. I do consultations for type 1 diabetes coaching. And uh, in these conversations, they'll tell me, oh, my doctor says that my A1C is fine. So I don't think I need to do anything about it. Okay, well, what is your A1C? Oh, it's eight. Now, I can't and I won't judge anyone for where they're at in their diabetes journey. But if your doctor is telling you that an 8A1C is good, you need to find a new doctor ASAP. And this is not to judge the person, this is judging the doctor. And the issue with this that I see is that doctors are looking at the average patient. They're comparing you to the rest of their patients. See, we are the sum total of the five people we spend the most time with. You might have heard that before. If you hang out with losers, you're going to be more inclined to take on loser habits, right? You hang out with winners, they're going to pull you up to their level. Uh, if you hang out with people who are all in shape, you will subconsciously start to make decisions that will make you more in shape because you want to fit in with the people you hang out with, right? Same thing on if everyone you hang out with does nothing but sit on the couch for the entire weekend. Well, you don't want to be the one person that they make fun of for going on a run and actually getting exercise, right? So you're probably going to take on the habits of those you spend the most time with. Similarly, your doctor sees this happen in their practice where they look at the sum total average of all of their patients and they use that as a comparison tool for you. 
Now, of course, there are medical standards, but this is a subconscious decision that they make to let you know, hey, you're doing pretty good at an A1C of eight because the rest of my patients have an A1C average of nine. So you're actually doing better than everybody else, right? But the issue is that we don't want to just be better than everybody else. We want to actually be healthy, right? And then from there, of course, if you're like me, you want to be the best version of yourself, not just good enough, right? So when it comes to these decisions that doctors are making for us on when to stop trying so hard and, hey, you're good enough, the reality is that good enough is a metric that changes depending on who you're talking to. So you have to calibrate this barometer of what are they comparing me to that is considered good enough. And in this process, we can identify, again, I said two different paths. One, the medical team that does not have diabetes, look at the results of their average patient. If that is below what you are shooting for, for A1C, time and range, your other blood labs, your blood sugar consistency and stability, whatever it is, if their average patient is below what you're shooting for, know that they're probably not going to encourage you to push harder and give you the tools necessary to achieve that level of fine-tuning, dialed-in diabetes management that you're pursuing, like myself, right? I want the best of my blood sugars of myself, so I have to find someone who supports that. My medical team needs to also be on the same page that I'm not just pursuing an A1C under 7. I want sub-6. I want... 90 plus percent time and range. I want standard deviation under 25, right? I'm very specific because I know the outcomes that I'm pursuing will benefit my overall health. And it's because I know what I'm looking for that I can be more uh, picky with my doctors, my medical team, right? And if you don't know what you're looking for, that's where you fall into the trap of misinformation, of being lied to, even if the doctors don't know they're lying, that's the issue too, is that most doctors are good people, right? They want to help, but they are stuck in this loop of the medical system that doesn't encourage them to pursue higher knowledge or new strategies that we teach our clients. In fact, many doctors still don't teach or even know about insulin to protein ratios. They don't even know proteins impact blood sugars or fats for that matter. And so you have to look for the people that are already delivering the results consistently that you're aiming for. Now, on the other side of the equation, if you can find a type 1 diabetic who is also an expert in type 1 diabetes, look at how they manage their own diabetes. Are they accomplishing the outcomes that you would like to see in your own life as well? So those are the two metrics to look for. Either look at the patients that this medical team is, uh, is taking care of, see if their average is above where you're shooting for or if they're behind. I'll help you to identify if the person that you're going to for your medical information is helpful. And then two, if they live with diabetes, look at their own management style. Not just the numbers, but the numbers are the first place that I look. How's their A1C, their time and range, but second, I look at their quality of life. Are they accomplishing, you know, 80, 90 plus percent time and range, but starving themselves, right? Not going out with friends and family, enjoying pizza or game night or, you know, playing with their kids on the weekends. If they're not living the life that I want to live and able to maintain consistent control of blood sugars, then it's not for me. So how do you know if your medical team is lying to you or misinforming you whether they know it or not? Look at the outcomes that they're able to deliver because you will become the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with and you will be compared to the sum total of the five best or worst patients in your medical office as well. See, we adapt. That's the beautiful thing about humans is that we adapt to the situations that we're put into in life. 
And uh, that can also be a curse. And what we look at here, actually an example I'll give you from a recent trip I just came back from, I just got back from a seven day cruise through Mexico. It was super fun. It was difficult. <laughs> Blood sugars were not easy to manage. Uh, my sister and I are comparing notes. We might have to do a little podcast for you guys. In fact, if you'd like to see a podcast between my sister and I, we both have type 1 diabetes. She's a registered nurse. I'm a certified master fitness trainer and nutritionist. And uh, you know, we both coach type 1s. If you'd like to see that in an episode, drop the word sister podcast or the words sister podcast in the comments. I'd love to see if that's something that we should uh, put some effort towards. And uh, anyways, back to the trip. So on the cruise, I've got my sea legs on, right? I, I'm very familiar with water. Grew up in San Diego, really close to the beach, surfing and all that fun stuff. So no stranger to water. Out on the boat, we're living on a boat for seven days. Actually, it was eight technically. And uh, didn't get seasick. Had a blast. It was a fantastic cruise. We get back, and my first day back on land, I feel sick. <laughs> I feel nauseous and dizzy, and I can't get my footing. I feel like I'm still on the boat. In fact, I look at the horizon, and it feels like the entire world is moving as if the entire world is a ship. See, what had happened is that my brain and my body had adapted to living on a boat where it was just my norm, right? And as I got back to land, which was my previous norm, it felt unstable. It felt unreal. In fact, we're, I think we're four days now, four days since the cruise. There are still moments where I get this kind of vertigo and dizziness where I think that the world is moving like a boat. It's ridiculous. I, I lose my balance. Uh, a little bit worried, actually. And I've heard it's called Jack Sparrow syndrome or something like that. Let me know if that's accurate. But the point is, I adapted on the boat, and now I'm in a new phase of adapting back to my past reality where I live on land, right? That's my norm. And I see this all the time in diabetes where people will, and this includes me in my past as well, get used to higher blood sugars to where you don't feel terrible, you know, 180, 250, 300, whatever it is, your body adapts and gets used to that. And we mentally adapt to, ah, this is good enough, right? Or this is temporary. And we justify it. And in that process, we hurt ourselves long-term. And then what you may notice as well, if you're like me, is that when I stuck to the higher blood sugars longer term, for me, it was because of anxiety and fear of insulin for a while and fear of lows. Uh, but that's a different story for another day. I would get into blood sugars of 130, 120, 110, and I would get shaky and I would get sweaty and I would feel low. I had the actual symptoms of a low blood sugar because to my body, I had adapted to the higher blood sugars. And so when I dropped into what would be considered a healthy range, my body felt like it was a low blood sugar because it just was not used to seeing those numbers. So be very cautious to what you adapt to because whatever becomes your constant in your norm, you will adapt to. So if you settle for less, that will become your norm. If you say, oh, this is temporary and you justify it, that just might as well be, this is forever. And that's the trap that so many people living with type 1 diabetes fall into, especially as it relates back to your medical team, your doctor, your dietitian, your endo, whatever they've seen as their average or their norm, whatever they've adapted to mentally and seeing in their patients is what they push onto you, whether they know it or not, as your norm. 
So if they're used to seeing people with A1Cs in the sevens, the eights, the nines, they may look at you and go, hey, you're doing good enough. Stop trying so hard, right? Go out and have a, a night out and enjoy yourself. When in reality, you know that you deserve better, healthier, more consistent blood sugars, and you might just not have the support that you need to get there, right? So if that is the case, I'm not telling you to fire your doctor and go rogue or anything crazy, but you might want to consider looking up, looking around, and seeing what else is out there. Find your medical team or another diabetes expert like myself who is living the life that you know you want and you need some help getting there. So to go back to the beginning, how do you know if your medical team is trustworthy? How do you know if they're giving you misinformation? How do you know if, whether they know it or not, they might be lying to you? The reality is you don't know, but you can look at the outcomes that they've delivered. What is the consistent average of their patients, their clients, or they themselves if they're living with type one diabetes, and does that match up with where you want to go? Not with where you're at now, but what you see in your future. Ask yourself that question today and take a step back. Look at what you have potentially adapted to in your own life. Is that where you want to be? And if not, remember that nothing changes if nothing changes. Growth is uncomfortable, but I can promise you it's worth it. I'm four or five days out of the cruise. I'm almost back to my norm. I'm not getting dizzy just walking around the kitchen doing dishes. And I hope that that little analogy is helpful for you to see that you might be in what you think is normal, but the reality is that life gets so much better when you take that uncomfortable step, get back on land and push through the dizziness for a couple of days. All right. So, uh, let me know actually in the comments. I'd love to hear your experiences. I know I'm not the only one that's had doctors that settled for less and might have, uh, you know, gotten in the way of you accomplishing your best version of yourself. So if that is the case uh, and you recognize that your doctor might be holding you back from your best A1C, your best time and range, drop a comment. And this is going to be a little aggressive here, but drop a comment self-made to let me know that you're one of us and that you're also pursuing your best health, whether or not you've got the support to do it. And of course, you're in the right place if you are that kind of person. So uh, I'd love to see your comment, self-made, let me know. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you are looking for some help from somebody who has done this before, uh, obviously I mentioned that I've maintained 90% time and range or greater for the last three or four years consistently. And that's while going on cruises and uh, I'm a parent as well. I run triathlons. You know, I eat pizza and hamburgers and have all the fun. That is possible. And if you're looking for some guidance or even just some tips on a different approach to diabetes, we call it the renegade way because we're a little different than what you see in your doctor's office. I want you to go check out the link in the description. As a free training, you can see if you like it or not and see if it would match up with what your goals might look like. So go check it out. Link's in the description. Thanks for hanging out. I'll catch you next week and keep up the fight.